Speaking of which, Chuck, are you, uh, you comparing your unborn child to sizes of fruit, things like that? Is that still happening? Are you at pomegranate yet? Or No, yeah, way plus pomegranate. Pomegranate was on the scale. Oh, I, thought, I figured that would only be for boys. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you, it's a penis shape. A pomegranate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not. It's round. Yeah. I thought you were going because it's full of seeds, but... No. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Picking up a cucumber. <laughs> and there's the intro. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. I am Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host. You'll know him from his fine work on other podcasts, including I Knew That Restaurant Before It Was Famous, and I'm a Hipster Get Me Out of Here, it's Chuck Bailey! Hello! And with us, as always, on the other line, super producer, he's the one that does all the hard work for us, it's Ian Stimson. How we doing? You good? I'm great. Great. Yeah, nothing bad has happened to me in my life at yeah. all in the last since the last time we recorded. Everything is going yeah. wonderfully. Yeah, how about you guys? Well, yeah, very, very exciting. Yeah, nothing boring or, or monotonous or pointless at all has gone on sort of last night or... Yeah, cool. All right. That was a good episode. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for turning up at all, Oscar. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, someone's got to intro the pod. We're going to run through the quarter f- or the round of 16 matches, rather, um, preview them, talk a little bit about how the teams got there and wrap up the group stages that way. Uh, and then in part two, we'll get into the England match and all the controversy surrounding the way they qualified. Uh, go through some listener questions, and that should about wrap it up. Uh, so one question for you guys, before we actually get into everything. Um, you wouldn't happen to know where the football is going? It's coming home, mate. It's, um, I believe it's sort of in the post. Um, it's currently being redirected via uh, Siberia. Um, I believe it is coming home. Yeah, just a, a few weeks, right? It's on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Via, via Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might come back a little. Um, yeah, it should arrive in about four years' time. Four years, I see. Okay. Yeah, okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. Coming home to Qatar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're feeling good about England, or how, how's your um, World Cup fever at the moment? Has it come down significantly from the starting few matches, or? No, I don't think so at all. World, World Cup fever-wise, I'm still there, and I, I've absolutely loved it. Um, I only got... It's, it's a shame that because of the, the way they have to do things for the groups now that you have two games on at the same time. So it really sucks because you just want to watch every game from that last uh, the last round of um, group fixtures simply because there's there's so many different permutations of what can happen. You know, there are a few times like, I'm watching the game and... You're trying to predict like, oh, right now. So this means this team goes out and this team goes through. And then you're like, oh, no, no. Now, because there's been a goal in the other one. And it just got to a point where it's like, I don't know anymore. I don't care. This is exciting. It's great. Oh, I, I live for the qualification math. I'm like running through every scenario. My friends had texted me going, OK, so what? How does Germany go through? And we'll talk about that in a minute. Thanks. How, how did they um, go through? Yeah. And I was like, well, if they win and 
Mexico win, then it goes to this tiebreaker, and blah, and like I just desperately, desperately wanted one of the groups to go to drawing of lots. Like yeah. in my lifetime, I just want to see names get picked out of a hat and be like, oh, Sweden got eliminated because they didn't get picked out of the hat, or you know, whatever. Like that would be so <laughs> exciting. But I, there's this um, guy on Twitter. He works at ESPN. His name's Paul Carr. He's awesome. Shout out to Paul Carr. Um, and he has the hashtag root for chaos where he just posts like the most ridiculous things that have to happen to make there be like maximum <laughs> amount of drama as far as who gets through. And so he's like, well, if you get one yellow card for this team and two away goals, but one of this, that and like, and, and so I'm always like, yes, that's exactly what I want to happen. <laughs> I can get behind that because you just want anything to happen. And, and especially since you're, home nation didn't qualify and now your adopted nation sort of headed home wow look at that it was like five minutes in and we've already spoken about germany four times <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just gonna have to adopt another country um well you did have iceland so, I, so yeah. far you're three Iceland's for three <laughs> let's see um... what's the opposite of a midas touch <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's go through the round of 16 matches so first up on the Left side of the bracket, also known as the bracket of death side, or at least I've been calling it that, I'm trying to see if it catches on. Um, we have Uruguay and Portugal. Uh, Chuck, how are you feeling about Uruguay Portugal? Are you excited to see that one? Or? It's kind of two teams that you don't quite think. I don't. I don't pick any of those teams to really make it to the final. So it's kind of one of those ones where it's more like a stay of execution for for one of those teams. Yeah. So you know, if Portugal can if Ronaldo can play and, and, and contribute so much that it drags drags the team through, I wouldn't be surprised. And if Uruguay's front two get firing and get four goals between them and, and they go and Uruguay go through, it wouldn't really surprise me. But I think that every game, no matter how closely contested or boring the team could potentially be, I think is great from here on out. And there are some there are some cracking matches in there. Although I have just realized that the way I've done my bracket is, since you said the left side of your bracket, I've done it like a top and a bottom. Okay. Uh, do you like to be the top or do you like to be the bottom, Chuck? Uh, you know, it just depends <laughs> how I'm feeling. Big spoon, little spoon, whichever way. Nice to get some attention. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, Uruguay, Portugal. Um, Uruguay have done obviously won every game. Um, yeah. They were in the worst group, though. Like, hands down the worst group. Mm. But they did they did put a bunch of goals past Russia, who were the only other team that were doing well in that group. So it's, you know, it's good to see. Um, I'm just pulling up Kaylee graphics right now. That is the XG model that I prefer. There are other XG models out there, but Kaylee was one of the first people on that whole train. He, um, he developed one of the first models, and he's really had a lot of time to refine it. Um, for those of you that enjoyed our XG conversation, um, there are other ones. Uh, Statsbomb does one, and ESPN does one. But looking at Kaylee graphics and Kaylee's XG models, Uruguay only conceded 1.1 XG through three matches. Wow. Um, so defensively, they're super, super strong. I would say they've been one of the two best defenses, the other one being France, and their numbers are off the charts. We'll get to them in a minute. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, Uruguay having an amazing defense, at least in that group, insofar yeah. as those teams can at least vaguely threaten their goal. And then Portugal, we talked about at the Euros, and that has been true, I think, other than the Spain match, that they also have set out very defensively. 
Um, I worry about this match being just a 0-0, going to penalty kicks, super, super boring kind of match with Ronaldo and Suarez trying to do stuff, but no one else really helping them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's how Portugal got to the Euro final. Right. I am excited to see Suarez go up against Pepe. Uh, hopefully <laughs> someone gets bitten and someone gets kicked or elbowed in the face. And, you know, the more violence, the better. At this point, I think my adopted country is going to be violence. <laughs> and <laughs> Red cards and tackles and just all sorts of drama. I just want someone to get bitten. That'll make yeah. it, you know, worthwhile for me. A red round of 16. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just um, chaos and bodies everywhere. There you go. Root for chaos. That's Root for chaos. Perfect. Root for chaos. Root for massacres, I guess. Um, <laughs> if uh, if either team's going to go for it, I think Uruguay's going to go for it. I think Portugal are going to let them, you know, sit back and just let them come on them. Come on to them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think maybe like we have a real boring match, a 1-0, 0-0 kind of match. Um, but given the way my other predictions have gone, it's probably going to be 5-0, so tune into that one, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's really... I, I saw something the other day where it was like, if you predicted how this World, um, how this World Cup has gone, then you know nothing about football. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just a lot of people being bitter and egg on their face since... Didn't all three of us predict Germany would win the World Cup? Yep. No, I went Brazil. I'm going to listen back to the recordings to make sure you did actually say that, just so you know. Uh, shit. <laughs> my bracket is fucked but it, it always is like it's just so disastrous no fucked. no and i wanted to say on this like because this world cup's been great um because like like we said um it's been so tough for like the big teams to do anything and and what have you and as we'll kind of see like going through the round of 16 though if you look at every group barring one the two people two teams you'd pick to go through have gone through so I just think yeah. it's been such a great chaotic World Cup because the strong teams didn't start off strong. So in that first round of fixtures, you got all the different teams that weren't that good. You know, you look at Group B, oh, Iran on top. Like, that makes no sense. And then the big teams have to fight back for it, as opposed to what has happened in previous years. After two games, the big teams are on top, and then they'll lose a game, but it won't affect their standings. It won't be them to jump up on, on the last day. I think it's just it's been so exciting, but it is a bit of a shame that you look at them and you go, oh, actually, that's pretty much the 16 teams you'd expect to go through. Yeah, there's definitely hasn't been any big team that didn't make it. I agree with that completely. <laughs> All has gone according to plan. It's been a wonderful, wonderful World Cup so far. If I was going to give you a grade for that answer, it would be F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like Germany's performance. Proper F for fucked because they were terrible. And their group letter. Oh, yeah. Synergy. Yeah, there you go. That's where I was going with that. You're welcome. Okay. Lord. Well, that went over my head. It is very early in the morning here where I'm recording because um, <laughs> we wanted to try to get this out in time for the, the round of 16. So apologies if my answers are pure gibberish and nonsense. Um, but speaking of pure gibberish and nonsense, I'm going to try to force a segue in there. We are going to France and Argentina. Argentina's World Cup has been basically nonsense so far. Their tactics are gibberish, and their manager is apparently frozen out of their locker room. I don't know if you guys heard Amazing. about that. No, the manager's on the pitch, and he scored the last game. <laughs> yeah, very good, yeah. Both of them. Um, yeah. yeah, that's weird, huh? Like, uh, it upset me so much just to see Argentina limp through. Like, they've, they, they haven't deserved anything. They've played shit for three games. 
and now they stumble through to the round of 16. I hope France batter them. That's it. Yeah, I think I think they will. I don't see our. I mean, you know, you can't count Messi out just as much as you can't count Ronaldo. Even more so, I think Messi. Mm-hmm. Although he's never scored in the knockout rounds of the World Cup, which is I think amazing, given that they made a run all the way to the final last time, and he's mm-hmm. this is his fourth World Cup because he made his debut in '06. Uh, but he's never scored. But if we take it back, we never actually talked about the second round of matches either. I was watching that second round of matches. I've had a weird World Cup in terms of watching in weird situations, but I'm sat in a chair getting a tattoo and I'm watching the Argentina match as they go down in flames 3-0. And I keep, again, being like, oh, ah, oh, ah. And the artist is like, are you all right? This, are you, like, you seem like you're in serious pain right now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just watching the football on my, on my phone. It's, it's fine. Um, because that was spectacular. They just got destroyed. It was amazing. Advantage. Like Caballero with the first fuck up and then just his head <laughs> in his hands because he just knew what was happening. Um, I like the fact that his glove said Willie on national TV as well. That was great. Um, <laughs> it zoomed in on him. Um, and then obviously Rebic, just rather than going, oh, I've got time to control this and take it down. He was like, nut, thunder cunt, top corner, bang. Um <laughs> Then the second goal, obviously, Modric gets himself a little bit of space and just smashes it in. But then it's the third goal that's just time stood still and Argentina stopped. And it just comes to, um, who was it, Rakitic. Um, And he's just like next to the six-yard box or uh, with about three um, Argentinian players there and they're all just stood there just watching like no one attempts to run back like they had just given up like they were broken like if that wasn't the very end of the match then they they could have got a shed load more Croatia they could have taken it to like five six and just fucked it yeah I thought it was really amazing the way that like you said those defenders I think Messi was right there too just didn't even move to try to stop and they're like yeah you can score like whatever I'm done with this. Yeah. It was just like they just wanted to go home. They were like, you know what? Yeah. We're done. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. We're not going to win. It can't get worse. Um, but they did. I, I do, as ridiculous as the whole manager situation was, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but there's a video making the rounds on Twitter of Messi hands something to, to the assistant coach, and then the actual manager says, oh, are you bringing on Kuhn? Aguero. No. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you read his lips, that's what it... Well, you know, I mean, it's Twitter, so like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. some yeah. debate as to what he actually says, but if you read his lips... Oh, I didn't see that. And I did watch the video, and I do speak Spanish, and it doesn't look like it to me. But yeah, it looks like he's saying, are you are you bringing him on? And Messi just stares him down and then walks yeah. away. Like, he doesn't Jeez. even have the respect for him to respond. And I, But I do think he was... He has no idea what he's doing with that lineup. He has no idea. There's Like, there's no formation. There's no tactics. There's no nothing. And then the one match where the players kind of take over and decide what they're doing and just revert to like a very conservative 4-4-2 with veteran players in there, they actually looked pretty good. They looked like they deserved that win, at least. And um, I'd be surprised if they don't stick with that tactics and that lineup again coming out against France. Um, And the manager can just sit there and pretend he's doing anything, but he's not. That being said, we've completely not talked about them. France, the other team in this matchup, you know, I talked about Uruguay just now conceding only 1.1, I think, through three matches. France, uh, take a guess. Take a guess how much XG France have conceded through three um, matches. 
so who did they play? They played Denmark, Peru, and Australia, right? Yeah, not bad teams. No, not bad teams. Well, if you're so shocked by, I don't know, <laughs> one? No. Just one? Like 1.0? Yeah. No, 0.6. Jeez. Through three matches, 0.6. And we had talked about Umtiti and Varane having, you know, being like one of the better defenses, but 0.6 against good teams. Like, that is amazing. And I think in the France's big problem is that they don't know what to do with their players. And it was coming into it in the second match. The third match was kind of a dead rubber, but the th- in the second match, I think they finally had the right lineup where Giroud wasn't in there. Matuidi was, and so they had a midfield three of Kante, Matuidi, and Pogba, and a forward three of Griezmann, Mbappe, and Dembele. Um, but they yep. weirdly decided to play Pogba as the deepest guy, play him in the Pirlo role, and have Matuidi and Kante play ahead of him, I think, to try to help them press and win the ball back as much as possible. But that doesn't really maximize Pogba's effectiveness. You know, he's good at the long passes, but like he's better when you can get him in the final third. Um, and he's been by far their best player. I think he catches a lot of shit on Twitter um, for being, you know, we talked about Sterling. Pogba equally is young, black, and has a stupid haircut. And so he gets a lot of shit that he doesn't deserve. But I think he's been easily their best player as far as creating all their chances, scoring some of their goals, and all that. And I think Argentina, with as much of a mess as they've been, and France being the like the best defense through three matches, especially considering that they played real teams, I just don't see how... Argentina has a way forward through them. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. Uh, my only caveat kind of with France is that their last game, you know, they're, they're the only ones with a nil-nil in this tournament and they played a completely different team. So as we'll come on to it with like England later, I just wonder, right, so the second game, you sorted out your lineup, you got your best team and then you completely changed it to a team of players that aren't going to play again or play together. And now, so what happens for the next game? So we'll see. Yeah. They fucked it. Now they have all their momentum is gone. And, you know, momentum is the thing that decides who wins the World Cup, as we've come to learn over the last few days on Twitter. So, you know, poor France, RIP. Good effort. We'll see you in, we'll see you in four years. Uh, moving on to the next match, we have Brazil and Germany. The big clash that everybody's excited to talk about in the yeah. round of 16. <laughs> um, I, you know, no, it's the, a different the, team that plays in green. You what do you mean? Confused. No, who? it's not. What? It's not. It's, it's, it's Mexico. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's 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 like South versus Central America, not Central Europe. Oscar didn't even watch; he was so sure. Germany, yeah, I don't Germany. Even, what are you talking about? I gotta um, I gotta Google this. Hang on one sec. If you just if you just <laughs> rewind about twenty minutes, um, I took the piss out of you quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So yep, Germany are out. You know, I don't want to linger on this too much, and you guys can say your piece. But just for me, as the Germany fan on the pod. It's 100% on Yergi Love, on the coach. I think we talked about he got his tactics completely wrong in the first match and the lineup and what the hell was Sammy Kadira doing in there. How do you play a midfield two of Kadira and Cruz, who is, you know, quietly becoming the next, this generation, Cesc Fabregas, as far as can't be fucking bothered to defend at all, vaguely tracks back so that he's in the vicinity of an attacking player so that he can't be called out too much, but not actually doing anything to stop them. You know, you play that midfield too, and Mexico slices right through them. You switch it up for Sweden. You bring in Rudy, who was their own only dedicated defensive midfielder. And yeah, he got hurt. But, you know, you have Goretzka on there also who can play. And Kimmich, who has played in defensive midfield before. And they have a decent right back backup in Huvedus. I think he was on the squad. Um, but they have lots of options out there anyway. 
And, it, it, you know, it didn't work spectacularly, but at least they won that match and they were in it. They kept Sweden fairly pegged back. Um, and then for the third match, you bring, you make, I think it was five changes from the winning team against Sweden. You bring Kadira back in. You have Goretzka finally, but he's playing on the wing, which what the fuck is that? And you just, you get destroyed. Like, you, they fully, fully got destroyed by Korea. Fucking Korea. Like... What, Yergi Love, what are you doing? And honestly, like, I was, this is going to sound like it's bullshit in retrospect, but you can ask my wife. I was bitching about him at the last World Cup, even though they won, because he had no idea where to put players. He, I don't know if you guys remember it in the group stage. He was trying to uh, shoehorn Philip Lahm into the midfield, and it didn't work. And then finally, I think at the third match, he was like, oh, you know what? I should just play Philip Lahm, the best right back in the world, at right back. And they put Schweinsteiger in the right spot and just, like, finally figured out the lineup. And it, and again, he had no fucking clue where to put players, no clue what to do with them, and they got destroyed and they deserve it. Like, they didn't look like a team that had any chance of winning at all. Of course, Kadir, like, why do you bring Kadir back in? I don't understand that even a little bit. Why do you make that many changes to the team that finally played well and they look like shit? Like, they look like shit. I, anyway, rant over. What do you guys... Firstly, I think that was very cathartic for you, and we, we thank you for sharing, Oscar. Um, I'd like you just to know that this is a safe place. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, we said it from the first game, it just didn't look like Germany, well, Lowe had a clue. Um, he didn't want to change the tactics and stuff like that, and then sorts it out kind of for the Sweden game, but then they barely scraped through after going 1-0 down. And then, like you said, just make five changes for Korea. Um, I didn't manage to see the whole game, but obviously I, I got to see the very dramatic end, which was amazing for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to, to go and make five changes. Like, why wouldn't you want to keep your team together if you've got one that's working and firing? Yeah, I mean, I know we had midfield problems, but it just feels like Manuel Neuer wasn't the solution there. No, don't put Neuer into <laughs> midfield. But what was funny on the commentary was they were just saying about 10 seconds before he lost the ball, how... Um, he can play in midfield and he's quite a solid midfielder and then loses the ball. <laughs> 70 yard pass to Hung Min Sun tapping. I mean, you say the manager got his tactics wrong, but I didn't see him sniff his bollocks once. I, uh, <laughs> I saw him sniffing his fingers, but I never saw the, pre- the scratch before. So maybe <laughs> right, that's okay. why. Yeah, I mean, they're the golden bollocks. Golden bollocks. <laughs> Uh, they could have used Michael Ballack. And even like as old as he is, he could have come in and just helped out in that central <laughs> midfield. I think that would have been a... They should have got Hasselhoff in, like in dodgeball. <laughs> That's what they should have fucking got. Get Hasselhoff in to start screaming. And then and then sing, like, jump in my car or something like that. And then just crack on. Would have been less entertaining than what actually happened, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, you know, I get it. I get why people are, like, happy to see... You know, the, the favorites, the defending champions go down. I, I'm well used to that with Chelsea. Everybody fucking hates Chelsea. And so when they fall on their faces or have a terrible year like they do in even numbered years, then everybody's happy. And I, I totally understand that impulse because like when Man United do hilarious bad things, I, I laugh gleefully as well. So like, mm-hmm. I you know, I get where everybody's coming from with that. But it, it did hurt. You know, I, I just basically had to turn off my phone and get off social media after that match because I was like, I'm going to murder someone. If I have to catch all the shit that I'm going to catch for this, like I, you know, and yeah. honestly, like they looked like those bad Chelsea teams that we've had 
after the title. Like, it, it defending a title is just so hard to do. And, you know, there was that year that they just couldn't be fucking bothered to play for Mourinho and Hazard was just walking around doing nothing. And it that's what they looked, that's what Germany looked like. A team with no heart, with no sense of purpose. Like, they weren't playing with any pride for the jersey and and they deserve it. Like, you know, they fully deserve to be out and that's what you get. So, mm-hmm. fuck them. Like, we'll see what happens <laughs> next time. I hope that a lot of these players, like, don't make it back. Like, they don't deserve their spots. Kadira's old now anyway, but like the worst thing that could have happened at the end of the second match, other like winning was great, but I think it was a really bad thing that it was Tony Cruz that scored the goal because I think he was one of the biggest reasons that they were bad in the first match and in the third match. Playing in the middle and just like he did not look like he gave a shit at all. He was walking around. He was he was actually doing what everyone accuses Mesut Ozil of doing on Arsenal, which is like just kind of standing around and letting the other team run by him and then just playing a few passes, but also missing a bunch of passes and giving the ball away. It was like him scoring as amazing as that goal was. And I did, uh, we were in a German restaurant in New York in Queens and I jumped out of my chair, ran around, made eye contact with our waiter who was also celebrating, sprinted across the restaurant and picked him up. And just jumped around and carried him around to the restaurant like a psychopath. It was an amazing moment. But like Cruz wow, being one you must feel pretty stupid now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you in a Korean restaurant for the third game? Or? <laughs> no, I was in a fetal position on my couch. Um, so we actually haven't talked at all about the teams that are in this matchup, Brazil and Mexico. Mexico yeah. have done really well, right? They've been good. But I don't think they can do anything with Brazil. Brazil have been probably the best team in this tournament so far. They're one of the only teams that actually have a good midfield with Casemiro in there, and then they have Paulinho and Fernandinho as options. They looked a lot better when Douglas Costa came on in the second match and gave a sort of second outlet for progressing the ball as opposed to having everything go through Neymar on the left side. It balanced them out a lot more. Yeah. Um, the, the other team just didn't know how to defend. They would just keep everyone on Neymar, but that just opened up all the space for the other guys. Um, and I think Coutinho has low-key been the best player in the tournament so far. So I, I, Mexico have been good, although they got destroyed in the third match. And I, but I don't see any way that you know Brazil has just been so good. What do you think, Chuck? Um, yeah, I, th- I think Brazil are, are using that kind of thing with Neymar to, in the right way that they're they're letting people get suckered into him. So he's you know potentially stats wise he might have a, a a slightly quieter tournament than than a lot of people would expect. However, if he can draw in two or three players and then ship it off at the right time, then it that team can just spread it out wide and, and, and they're so fast and so free-flowing and, and so dangerous in attack um, that Brazil could just do some utter, utter demolition to teams. I mean, it is it is such a shame that we're not saying this and it and it is the Germany, um, Germany that have gone through because that would have been so, so entertaining. And it's such a shame that Brazil don't get to get some sort of revenge other than just being able to sit back and and see that that Germany are out already. Oh yeah, Brazil would have absolutely destroyed this German lack of a midfield. They just would have It could have been the same score. It could have been the same oh, score but it was if not worse. Like it would have, it would have I was terrified. Like I I turned to my wife and I said they're going to get destroyed in the knockouts, but I just don't want this to be the first German team that fails to get out of the group stage and obviously they did. Um, yeah. But like they had no chance, zero yeah, the, chance. The first first time since nineteen thirty eight, 
and in 38 it wasn't in the tournament yeah. that it there was no now it was stages. all knockout right and, and then you know obviously germany, germany were banned. well germany yeah they had they had other focuses in 1938 as well so um i think mexico's one weapon is the counterattack. i don't think brazil are going to let them counterattack, especially through the midfield i'm just going to ignore that comment yeah oh god i heard the most horrendous <laughs> uh, joke a dad joke the other day it was a bloke in a bar and he was like, you've got to be careful when speaking to Germans now. Don't mention the VAR. <laughs> That's very good. It was good, that fuck. Uh... <laughs> Just writing that down. But Mexico aren't going to be able to get through their midfield. That's the only way they know how to score, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and so Brazil's just going to crush them. They're going to shut it down. They're going to score, etc. Do you have a score prediction for that one? Do you want to venture out there? I'd say 3-1. I think yeah. Mexico can nick a goal. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mexico scored. Maybe even scored first, um, like, off of a set play or, or something like that, just from a little Brazil fuck-up. But I expect Brazil to come back strong and, yeah. and score. They score plenty. Yeah, sounds good. Um, next one's Belgium-Japan. Kind of the same thing here. I think other than Brazil, Belgium have been the best team. Like, it's between the two of them as far as who's been the best team at this tournament so far for me. Belgium look... Like the complete package, they have a good midfield, and they haven't even had to use Musa Dembele, who is an awesome option there as well. Um, they all of their attackers are firing. Hazard, Lukaku, even Mertens looks really good, drawing defenders away, creating for the other guys. He hasn't really put done that much in terms of the actual stats, assists, and goals wise. But you know, De Bruyne is creating from the midfield. He's playing a little deeper. I think we've talked about that a few times than you would want, but they just look like a force and Japan they look great but they haven't played anyone good yet yeah that's, I mean that obviously team the hasn't, match that doesn't team count. hasn't had a well it doesn't because Belgium played a second team and England played a second team right yeah, so yeah, yeah. you you can take everybody that criticizes when people say oh England have looked great oh they've only played Tun- um, Tunisia and Panama like you can turn the exact same things onto Belgium They've only played Tunisia and Panama. That's it. Yeah, and that's so true. And so I'm not holding my breath on Belgium. I'm still doing well. Um, Japan look great. Uh, they're playing well together. They're playing well as a unit um, and taking chances when they can. It's the same with um, teams like Russia as well. That Russia, I think they're in their first game, their XG was like 2.1, um, but they scored five goals. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Russia and, and way the, over In the second their... game as well against Egypt... Um, Russia just took their chances. Now, against Uruguay and a tougher opponent, it, it didn't work out. But if you've got a team like that, like we've said so many times, like I have, that they can they can damage, they can can damage do damage to a team that is greater than them um, because they're, they're greater than the sum of their parts. And so I'm quite looking forward to the Belgium-Japan game. I think yeah. that's, that's going to be a good one because you'll finally then get to see um, whether what we said before was right, that they're not the dark horses that everyone thinks they are. They're just a fucking overrated team that are great individually, but they are lesser than the sum of their parts when they're together because they just get forced in. That's my hot take. I wouldn't agree with that at all, actually. I think that they're really gelling with each other. I think that they're learning how to move around each other for a bunch of players that don't play on the same club, although they could have all been on Chelsea if we weren't a bunch of idiots who sell the best young players. Um, But just they are like clicking and they really are finding each other and knowing what runs are going to be made before they actually make them, um, which is what the best clubs do all the time. Um, and I, you know, like the same way, you know, Portugal have Ronaldo 
Argentina have Messi, Brazil have Neymar. I think Hazard is really hitting peak Hazard right now. Um, and when he's on, he's at that level. Uh, his only problem is that he's only on half the time. But yep. he does seem to be really, really finding his best form right now. And I think that that's scary for anybody at the World Cup when Hazard's playing at his best. Yeah, I think that's scary for anyone. But you are exactly right. He, Hazard has always been a very hot and cold player. Like when he's on his best, like you could easily say he is top three players in the world. However, the only reason he's not consistently up there in that conversation is because it doesn't happen all the time. The same yeah. in the Premier League. On his yeah. day, it's between him and probably Kevin De Bruyne, as who is actually the most creative. The only reason I'd say De Bruyne pips him to it is because KDB does it on a much, much more consistent level. Yeah, you're not wrong. And they both fucking play together. <laughs> both fucking Belgian shit. With Lukaku. Right, I take back there everything too. I said. Belgium are going to win it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I those were that was the team that I had going all the way to the semi over Brazil. So you you think they beat Brazil? Um, Brazil's doing better than I thought they would, but I think that that's going to be a good close match. I'm really excited for that one in the quarterfinals. I think Belgium are going to just like they're going to swat Japan away the way. Um, you know, a big brother swats away a little brother who's trying to like hit him, but he just goes, nah, go away and just kind of swipes at him and he's gone. Speaking of teams that are just going to swat away an annoying little nothing, we have Spain, Russia in the next one. <laughs> On the, now we're moving over to the right side of the bracket or the bottom side, I or believe, the bottom. for Chuck. Yeah, yeah this one's the bottom. <laughs> um, this is game three, but it's on the bottom. Yeah. And that, yeah. like that side is just so weak. Spain have like a really clear path to the at least the semifinal, if not the final. Russia, like we talked about, had been good against the really bad teams. The moment they came up against Uruguay, they couldn't handle them. Um, but, you know, the home team does overperform. And mm-hmm. especially with Russia, Russia, you never know what's going to happen with the referees and, blah, 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 you know, who knows <laughs> what kind of influence they might have there. But um, Spain haven't been that convincing. Spain haven't been great, but they look, I mean, they've looked good. Let's be fair. Um, but they haven't been world beaters or anything like that, but I don't like the other four people in that corner of the bracket are Russia, Croatia, and Denmark. Like none of those teams are on Spain's level. If Spain is at all playing to their own level. Right. No, and so, but I think Croatia have been, have been great in this tournament. Um, so far, you know, you say as Brazil, um, maybe being the only team that you feel confident have, have been the best team in this tournament. I'd say, I'd say Croatia are up there. And for them right now, they should not be afraid to play anyone. Like I can fully see Croatia get in on that side of the bracket. I can see Croatia get into the final. Wow. Um, Hot because, take. Yeah. Because you look at it, you know, the, fair enough, Argentina aren't, aren't what people think they are, but they still put them to the sword. Um, they they smashed their way through the group, and they've got uh, so they've got Denmark in their game, which I think Denmark have been lucky to get through. Um, I think they were lucky with the result against Peru. I think Peru deserved a lot more. Um, I mean Ericsson scored a wonder goal as well against Australia, which was lovely to see. Mm, yeah. Um, so just off the back of those, that that's why they're there. So. Denmark, I think it's a bit of a dead rubber. It's just Croatia should smash through that easy. And then up against Spain, I think that could be a really interesting contest. Um, Spain would have to be on the top of their game, I think, at the minute to beat Croatia because they, they'll they be flying. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think it's probably going to be Spain versus Croatia in that quarterfinal. Um, like I said, you never know what can happen wonky with Russia. We joke about match fixing. Obviously, that's not probably real. But the home teams do have uh, that advantage. They do tend to go far. You know, you think about Korea in 2 um, Yeah, but that was could... dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> that was, so let's not Fair get enough. into that. Um, Croatia will be fun. It's going to be Modric versus Eriksson. I think Modric is... It, I've mentioned this, I think, in the first or the second pod. He's one of my favorite players in the world, probably my favorite non-Chelsea player currently. And um, he's been playing to his level. And when Modric is on, he's insane. Um, but Ericsson has been good too. I think that should be good. But I don't think Denmark have enough to get him. No. Nope. Um, and then the last one is Sweden-Switzerland. Do you care about this one at all? No, it's kind of the same as the first one when we, when we said about Uruguay-Portugal. Because I don't think either of those teams... I think it could be interesting to see how Sweden um, approach that game. Because Sweden have no reason to not try and go for it. And we said before, you know, they, they made it very clear they didn't want, like, Ibrahimovic there. They wanted to keep the team that went through qualifying. Um, they, they were unlucky not to at least take a point off Germany. Yeah. Um, and then they... they um, Who did they smash in the last game? Mexico. Um, Mexico. Yeah. So they, just, yeah. Just destroyed them. Yeah. So... It's interesting, but Switzerland have kind of been this team where they've they've managed to get through and and, and done quite well as well. So yeah, well. but I, I think Sweden are going to cut through them like a like a block of cheese, just easily, just poking holes in the yeah. Swiss there. Oh, and Sweden, like we talked about them in the preview, uh, having that Ewing theory potential, where Zlatan's gone, and now they're they're lacking that superstar, but they're really playing as a good team. And I think that that Sweden, maybe more than anybody, actually looking through these, just quickly glancing through all the teams. I think Sweden know who they are and how do they play more than anyone. And they play, you know, they have those two absolute units up front and they hoof the ball up and they're solid at the back and they know what to do. And so I think, actually, if we're going to have some hot takes, I could see Sweden making it all the way to the semifinals from this corner. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, who knows? All right, well, we're going to save the Columbia-England talk for part two get through some listener questions and that'll wrap up the pod so uh when we come back after the jump we'll get into columbia england welcome back to miles offside pod where we've been talking about the upcoming round of 16 games at the 2018 world cup um, 48 games down and 16 to go, lads. It seems a bit sad now when you think about it like that, doesn't it? God, yeah, it does. There's only um, 25% left. That's what someone said. Online. And that's why Online. you're the stat man, which means <laughs> 75% gone. I love it. Um, you'll notice in the first <laughs> part, we, we only covered seven of the eight, and that's because we thought we'd save this little gem to talk about it a bit more, seeing as how... Um, Oscar got to spend a little bit of time on his team Germany, but won't get to anymore, unfortunately. Just kidding, I'm going to bring it up every episode. That England got <laughs> further than Germany in a World Cup! Yes! Probably Come the on. first time that's happened since 1966. Um, actually, someone looked that up. That might be right. <laughs> oh, I'll have a look. Um, so we go on to our last round of 16 game, um, which is, of course, featuring England versus Colombia. Um, Oscar, thoughts? Shame, shame, shame. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, playing your scrubs, your B squad against Belgium. 
You know, yeah. everybody online seems to be very angry about that. Uh, properly ashamed of yourselves for not going for every win and playing for the pride and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was the right move. <laughs> it was the right move. It's the smart thing to do. Um, before we get into the whole lineup controversy and all that, uh, as far as England in the group stages, um, they've been good. Obviously, they scored the same number of goals as Belgium and had the same goal difference. Um, well, but I'm lost s- guy. right. Yeah, 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 leading. I'm not counting that last game. I think that, that last game was nonsense. So no, no one should. No count one should really game. count that at all. Yeah. My concerns going into the tournament as a neutral, not as as like an, obviously an England fan haven't really been uh, addressed as far as being able to create from open play against a defensive team for all the goals that they scored. um, Only one was like genuinely a good goal from open play. Uh, The eight goals, I think two were penalties. um, Three were from corners. Two were from... Or one was from a set piece, and then two were from quote-unquote open play, but one of those was a low and slow shot that would have been saved easily, but it got deflected off the back of Harry yeah. Kane's foot, right? Oh, so like, that would have been... Yeah, but it could have been <clears throat> Rubin's goal. I know, I know. But <laughs> that wasn't that was going to get saved. Like, that wasn't a particularly good shot. And so, you know, the one goal that they scored from open and play... And so Harry Kane skillfully flicked it off the back of his foot. And, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that goal, yep. 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 He would have claimed it anyway, as we know. but yeah i mean the the goal that they did score was a beautiful team goal and a curling effort but like they are so reliant on set pieces um that i vaguely worry for them in the knockout rounds um and that's not for the for the record a knock against them i think that that is a legitimate strategy they clearly have worked on set pieces gareth southgate i don't know if you guys saw this but he went to a bunch of NBA games and watched basketball, American basketball, to come up mm-hmm. with different tactics as far as how they move off yeah. the ball because his idea was that it's such a smaller court and there's five guys crowded in – well, ten guys really crowded into a very small amount of space, but they still create wide-open shots for each other. And so if they can sort of learn something from that and bring it to the way that England does set pieces and corners, then it's going to – have a positive effect and we've seen that like they are they've been by far the best team from set pieces um but that's harder to do in the knockout rounds there's better teams that you're playing against and i their ability to create from open play is still in question for me um ruben loftus cheek has been amazing in the two matches that he played um and i i think that he's their best creative midfielder and the other guys are really good running off the ball um and they'd be insane to not keep him in the lineup but yeah i mean those concerns at least for me haven't been particularly addressed and harry kane is like is that the worst hat trick you've ever seen like two <laughs> penalties that he didn't earn and a ball that he didn't know was going to bounce off the back of his heel like hat tricks hat trick, mate golden boot, boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah you're right and and those concerns are still there of course because you know that there, there was nothing from open play um but you look at the way the game is in England in the Premier League now, because there aren't there aren't many teams in the competition where where every player plays in the the same league or like the home the home nation league. Um, but that's the way the Premier League has been in the last few years. It's been much more like set plays, and you see how many teams have done well 
just from dead ball situations because you can hurt a team. Because exactly like you said, if, if Southgate has looked at those NBA teams and figured out how it's it, that is actually really, really interesting to know is how they move in such a tight space and such a congested space, which is what, you know, the D can be or, or what the, the penalty box can be from corners and free kicks. And if you can move around in the right way to get those wide open looks and you just play one ball in, well, it, to be honest, it doesn't really matter how you play out on the pitch if you get the win. You know, we talk about uh, teams such as Iceland or teams such as Sweden um, that were quite defensive, very solid. Uh, Mourinho, was it Mourinho once said Iceland? No, it was Ronaldo said that Iceland play anti-football after Iceland played um, played them in like the group stage in Portugal, uh, in the Euros, something like that. But if it gets you results, like give a shit. So why why on the one hand with a team like Iceland are we lauding them for that? But whereas in a team like England, you're going, well, no, all they've got is set pieces. doesn't matter. If you can score four goals from corners every game and win 4-0, give a fuck. Yeah. You can't string two passes together. I think the thing for me as far as like why we talk about the same idea differently is that I'm holding England to a higher standard. Um, Iceland are awesome. I love them and I wanted them to do well, but they're not a legitimately contending team. And I think England are. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's actually the big difference between England fans and non-England fans is looking at this England team. I I see a really good team that could legitimately go far. I mean, I I said they were going to get knocked out in the group stage. Um, Obviously, I don't know anything, but... I, they are like a legitimately good team. If you look at um, 538's model, they obviously went up um, from their pre-tournament chances of winning the thing to um, the end of the group stage. Uh, part of that being obviously that they ended up on the good side of the bracket, which was a, a good thing for them. Um, but they're the third favorite team now, tied with France. Like you have Brazil and Spain are one and two. And then... France and England are tied for the third favorites to win the whole thing. And I think simply that, because of bracket. Yeah, partially because of bracket and partially because of goal difference and play in the group stage and all that. I mean, it takes into account a lot of different things. Um, but I think they're a legit team and I think they need to have that big team mentality. And I think that we should be holding them to that. Um, and so that's why, you know, sort of not quite double standards. I think that they're just in a different league than Iceland. And so mm. I want them to be a complete team because I think that they are legitimate contenders. They could very well make the final. And once you're in the final, who knows? And that's why when you talk about the lineups, which I think now we can bring that back in from the third match, I think a lot of England fans were like, well, you know, you got to try to win. And we just want to see them get to the quarterfinals and be on, you know, if they can play Brazil, that's what it's all about. Um, and to me, it's like, no, that's being short-sighted. Like, you are a legitimate team. You should be trying to maximize your chances of making a deep run. And so doing whatever you can to get yourself to the good side of the bracket, just like, you know, a France would do, where France made all the changes in their last match, I think is exactly what England should have done, and it's what they did do. And I think that Gareth Southgate is probably the best manager for me in this tournament, and I think he recognizes that as much as... England fans are always very hesitant to to have, you know, confidence in them because of all the history there. I think he thinks of them as a legitimate team. And he was like, no, man, we're going to be smart. We're going to go to the good side of the bracket. We're going to maximize our chances of getting to the final and maybe winning this whole thing. 
Yeah, but he never said that was the tactic, though. That that was no, what but he got can't me. say and that. You though. say one thing, and you, you say like him and Roberto Martinez from from both sides. So I, I kind of don't get it. And and like we said earlier, it's like what do you learn really from that game? So England haven't won a competitive match in a knockout round since two thousand six. So what what do we gain? By, by playing a second team and going, oh, we'll be on the good side of the bracket. Great. We still play Colombia, who look great, who can play on the break, um, so and, and potentially harm England. Um, now, the disciplinary issues that they may have, and obviously you've seen the wildness in their first game where he just handballed it fucking in the third minute against Japan, Carlos Sanchez, and then got sent off. So England can get a lot of dead ball situations. But I think it's because at this point, a lot of England fans don't see the difference between Brazil and Colombia. They see it as a knockout game, and that's that's the demon that has to be kind of broken. Um, so if you're going to start playing tougher teams, which England haven't done because they've played Belgium, but the England team hasn't played Belgium, and the non-England team has played the non-Belgian team, which those groups of players will never, ever play together in this tournament again. So all of this stuff about match sharpness and whatever, well... That I kind of get that, but it's also about knowing how the other players around you play. So what's the point of playing Rashford and Vardy together with um, all the different players? I can't even remember the team sheet, like I forgot about it so much, but where, where there being eight changes, that's never going to be the system. That's never going to be the player playing beside you. That's never going to be the guy playing behind you, never going to be the one in front. So what what kind of benefit is that you don't see you don't keep the system with a tougher team and so you don't get those real challenges of going no you know what um i i i, I get what you mean about the england have to win every game and I, that that's not necessarily true but i think you you shouldn't be playing it safe and i don't think you should be worried then and southgate if he truly believes that england are the best team and can go very far to be true world champions, it shouldn't fucking matter who you play. You should be able to beat anyone. And England in in friendly games have played Germany and it was nil-nil. Played Brazil, it was nil-nil. Played a different squad of players every game. And I think if at this point you're going to do that and put in players that aren't ever going to play together, well, what's the point in giving those the rest and then not having the momentum to carry on? Like, And, and potentially then making, let's say, three or four changes for the knockout game and bringing in players who played well in the third game, but haven't played with the first two groups of players. No, I, I think for the knockout games, they're going to go right back to that lineup from the second match. I don't think that they have any intention of actually bringing in those guys from the third match. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't going to fucking start for them in a knockout match. Like, I think that, you know, that they were being facetious when they said that, oh, this is a chance to see what these guys can do and maybe we're going to bring them in. No, it, it was a... Yeah throwaway match like they fully intended to yeah. just just throw it away and all and of these whatever. lies of it being about being fair and getting there like fuck off no being that's fair, bullshit that's being fair bullshit. is what is is what england has held back from all these years to being being you know it, it goes back to the same kind of thing of oh well we've got to put rooney in oh we've got to put this person in uh because they're this like no fuck off you've earned the place to be there you are the best do you think Jamie Vardy sits there and goes, oh, you know what? No, I should I should get my chance to play. If Harry Kane's there banging in hat-tricks and, and scoring goals, like, no, you just see that you're not you're not quite there and it should be about playing your best team and it should always be going for the win. Yeah, but, like, these guys are, you know, you think about how crowded all these matches are and, and I, I think you're exactly right. Like, you shouldn't give a shit about the third match and it's not, like, genuinely, like, oh, Jamie Vardy... You know, now he's going to play instead of Harry Kane. Like, no, fuck that. But 
you know, you give these guys one rest and now it's closer to the schedule that they're used to having of like a week between matches. Um, and I think that's good for the team. I think you don't hear any Belgium fans or any France fans complaining about all the rotation. And um, England and Belgium set the record for the most changes from one match to the next in a World Cup ever. I think there was a collective 15 or 16 changes between the two. Yeah, I think it was eight and nine. So it's 17. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, but like, I genuinely like, yes, you say that if you're going to win the World Cup, you should be able to beat Brazil. Um, sure, that's true. But why wouldn't you give yourself, instead of Brazil and, let's say, France in the quarters or in the mm. semis, um, you give yourself, instead, Colombia and, I don't know, Sweden or Switzerland? Like, yes, you should be able to beat those teams, but you don't have to. It's smarter to avoid them and tool the final. You increase your chances when you only have to play one of them instead of three of them it doesn't matter really who you play there are massive pitfalls to anything so i don't really buy into uh, england now have a better chance of getting to the final that much because i know england can slip up against opposition that we're supposed to beat like iceland yeah, but they can slip if they can slip up against iceland or you know sweden more specifically here then they can like you think brazil's gonna take it easy on england no like no it's, it's still not, easier to play those easy. teams than it is to play brazil and whoever they'd get in the semifinals from that top corner, which is Argentina, France, Uruguay, and Portugal, like, and especially from that top corner, the three best, the three most defensive teams, probably of the, of the like big name teams, like England don't want to have to play any of those. We talk about their struggle in open play. Now they get Colombia, who don't have James Rodriguez, right, and who haven't actually been that good. I don't know that Colombia are any better than Japan, if we're like being really honest, especially with James out. And then they get either Sweden or Switzerland. Like, Sweden's been good, but they're not Brazil. Like, that, I just, it maximizes their chances. Like, their probability, right? It on It's the same idea of, like, you when you talk about fantasy and people say, oh, you don't do your triple captain on a double game week, right? Well, yeah, sure, there might be one week where someone has a better week. But, like, statistically, it's much more likely that you're going to maximize your points you're going to maximize your results by playing the odds by playing it on a double game weekend like you're the same thing here like england are gonna maximize their ability to do well and to go far by being on the good side of the bracket and especially in that corner like that's the best corner of the bracket but like you'd still rather be playing sweden than brazil right like there's no way that you're trying to tell me right now that you would rather be playing brazil because now England are the underdog. Like that's that nonsense. No, it's not. It's not. When when I said that before, it's not that I said like England are the underdog or, or whatever, and and then I'd like them to play like that. It was more that you know that teams end up the the mindset of the teams you're playing end up having a, a, a can play a difference. You know, sports psychology and all that is is major. My only concern with it is okay. So England are on the easy side of the bracket, great. So so far that England team has played Tunisia and Panama. Okay, then they haven't played Belgium because they've been rested. <clears throat> then they play a Colombia team who, as you've said, you don't believe to be better than Japan. Uh, they haven't got one of their star players in James Rodriguez uh, and they beat them. So then they go and play Sweden or Switzerland, who aren't a great team. And then they come up finally against Croatia and Spain. So that's really then the first time that they have had to play tough opposition and can't potentially and realistically just play their own game plan and they have to adjust 
So what happens then? You've had no stern tests. If you're if you're looking at it as as a singular event, yes, I would always rather play Sweden than Brazil. However, I'm just wondering if we're getting caught up in this so much because a lot of us thought with England, okay, this would be a good World Cup for the next one. So I don't think we should get too caught up. So I think it would be great if this team, granted they can go far, I don't think they can win it. But if we then go up against tough opposition in the semi-final and get knocked out or do go through to the final, of course, anything can happen in the final. But if you go out in the semi-final, you've played one tough team. So you, what kind of great tournament experience have you got of how these teams operate, how the highest level of teams who get to those competitions every fucking time or more times than most... Um, how they really operate in those situations. And that, so you just don't get those stern tests for me. So I think as a learning experience as a, and uh, for the benefit of the team, it's not, it's, it's just nowhere near as good. And I think that if you get to the semi-final and then play Croatia or Spain, it just completely come unstuck. To me, like, it's just purely rational. Like, I get the emotions of, like, that was a shame. Like, they played a terrible team. They, but like they weren't going to get tested by Belgium anyway, because Belgium already, Roberto Martinez was like, oh my gosh, can't believe it. Lukaku and De Bruyne and Hazard and Mertens are hurt. Wow. I guess we're going to have to play our <laughs> subs against England. What a weird coincidence, right? Like he said that the day after their match, right? And so like they weren't going to get tested there anyway, but now they get the extra time. Like I'd, and yeah, maybe the next World Cup is their actual World Cup, but at least now. They know the pressure of playing in a semifinal, which is more pressure than playing in a quarterfinal. Maybe they beat Spain. You know what I mean? Like, it's just more time. I don't know. It. I. The three best soccer writers and analysts that I know are Michael Cox, Michael Cayley, and Michael Goodman. The three Michaels. They're the three people that like, I follow. And, and all three of them spent, like, days on Twitter arguing with people in their mentions English fans specifically being like, you guys are insane. It's like, it's very obviously the rational choice and you're allowing your emotions and your fear of what's happened in the past and your underdog defeatist mentality and all of that history cloud your judgment when really the, like it's the obvious right choice to try to go for second place and try to go for the, the other side of the bracket. And I, and Gareth Southgate brought Danny Welbeck on late in the match. Like, he's not trying to <laughs> score goals. Yeah, Welbeck's yeah. got a good goal-scoring record for England. But what? But you know what? I want to... You massive turncoat, though, because what the fuck happened to root for chaos? What happened, Oscar? <laughs> what fucking happened? You've just sat there and gone about, this is rational. Bullshit. You don't believe it. I wanted to see fouls in yellow for cards. Chaos. Like, the tiebreaker was yellow cards. I just wanted to see both uh, teams yeah. run out there, ignore the ball, <laughs> and elbow each other in the heads. Like Fellaini was in there, right? So he's throwing elbows. Yeah, I know. Fuck so, like, you can, can tell you call Belgium up Paul Scholes and get him out of retirement just to come in and like, <laughs> you know, break someone's leg? Stimmers, you're you're laughing back there. Why don't you weigh in a bit on this and see what, where do you fall? But the, like, as a as a pragmatist, objectively, you can look at it and say, yes, we're in a better position because, as you said, we're recording Friday morning, so you can see that we're in a better position than we would have been had we won the game to go further in the tournament. But as an England fan, you're so used to going out at the group stage or round of 16 if you're lucky. And like I feel after last night's match, which was a slog to get through, Chuck didn't even get through it. It's like you just could have 
really done with a, a win, just like nine points. When's the last time England did that? I have no idea. And it's the deflation that I feel now and the absolute opposite of how I felt after the Panama game. And it that, that's the thing. And in a couple of days, I'll have dealt with it and I can see that, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's objectively the better thing that we're playing Colombia and our, our route looks so much easier than I thought it'd be. But yeah, I it was just... Seeing those team lineups, I was just re- I was just disappointed. Uh, it was, and the game was exactly what it, I thought it'd be after those lineups were out, and it was poor to watch. Yeah, that was a that was a garbage match. Like, admittedly, it was boring. I watched all of it, but like, I had my phone out, and yeah. like, I I quote unquote watched right. Like, I was really bored. The only exciting mm. thing that happened was Michi Bachuai like kicking himself <laughs> in the face. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. But, like, besides that, you know, and we joke about, like, Danny Welbeck coming on and, you know, that's, like, clearly indication that they don't want to score. Like, they really didn't look like they had any interest. Um, I joked that it, they were players that couldn't help themselves from trying to attack and then would remember halfway <laughs> through that they were like, oh, shit, no, 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 right, no, we're not supposed to do this. Um, it was it was turgid. It was, like, just really fucking boring. But, I and I, you know what, Ian, I totally get what you're saying, like, as a fan especially if you have that like sort of underdog mentality that that like historically we've been fucked type of thing like there are strong emotions yeah, there we just we grew up with scraping through if we're lucky yeah like that's that's how we grew up and so there was just such an such a high after panama you just thought got an opportunity especially with knowing like you say knowing what belgium were going to do it just felt like a nice opportunity to smash it. We were, yeah. we never thought we were going to get round of sixteen is considered a success for us. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know. guess the emotional argument is the only one that really makes sense to me. But like from a purely rational perspective, like I did it, like I, my mind was blown hearing all the England fans being like, <laughs> oh, "What do you mean the lineup's bad? What, why weren't we trying to win? Like losing momentum? Like now everything's fucked because we don't have momentum? Like that idea? Is, I don't know." I'm not an England fan, so I, you know, you guys do with your you team whatever you want. Understand? But yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> you will never understand what we've been through. 1966 is the only time England got past Germany. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. In 1938, we didn't enter. No. Again, we were busy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> A bit preoccupied. Neville Chamberlain. So, do you think you're going to beat Colombia? I, <laughs> never I think um, um, never Colombia occupied. don't have never I don't think that they can do anything. Going to keep saying it. We were never occupied. Um, <laughs> yeah, if if oh, Hamez Rodriguez is actually out, um, it could be a bit of a blow for them because he he was rushed on in the first game, wasn't he? They they did say in the groups that he wasn't quite ready, but then they had to bring him on, and he he has been superb for them. Uh, he's played some beautiful balls in, especially on, on their counter attacks and stuff. It's just been like those perfectly weighted, like curling in passes right around the back of the defense, just for uh, I think it was Quadrado on the third goal. Yeah, that was one of the best uh, passes. He just latched onto it and was like, "Holy fuck!" Like these guys can do some fucking damage. It looked um, like a trick shot from a billiards competition. Like it was amazing seeing the backspin on that and the the, the direction the ball moved. Was that Hamas yeah. that played that pass? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Well, e- either way, whoever played it, I'd like was yeah. one but of the Quintero's been seen. really good. Yeah. Um, Quintero's one that 
like we mentioned, I think, did we mention him last time when we said about players that probably got themselves a, a transfer off of this World Cup? I don't know. I don't remember. Um, because he's looking like the, the kind of pinnacle of that right now, like playing himself into a spot. Yeah, I think England go through. I'm not, and I'm not trying to belittle Colombia. Like the Colombia's a good team, right? But I think England go through. I think England make it to the semis. Um, and honestly, like they could be. Spain is gonna push forward, leave space behind, which gives like Kane and Sterling a chance to really do something. Um, Sterling, who's had a good World Cup for the record, I know he's getting a lot of shit on Twitter as usual because he's Raheem Sterling, but he hasn't had the statistics. But like we were talking about Neymar. He's really created space for the other guys um, and made really good runs. Um, and I, I think Spain will open it up. I think Spain are also a very short team. And so, you know, you talk about set pieces and corners. Now England have a good chance of scoring there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could definitely see them making the final. It wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. All right, that I think, you know, 90 minutes later, still talking about England. <laughs> um, I think we can probably move on to listener questions, Ian. Do yeah, you have, you have no long how much Ian has had to cut out of this. It's actually now five o'clock for Oscar in the afternoon as opposed <laughs> to eight in the morning. <laughs> it's been 85 years. <laughs> <laughs> we had this actually uh, before the last episode, but we couldn't fit it in. And it seems more relevant with what's happened recently. Mike Swiffen asked us to talk about VAR, which we haven't touched on. We've let uh, other people argue about VAR. This so, minefield. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what's been your uh, your two view of VAR and how it's been implemented? Um, I think it's been really, really well used, um, but I think it's been quite slick. I think it's made sense a lot of times um, why they're doing it. But I don't I still don't know if that's because we're watching with a commentary. Um, I know mm. they do. They display the outcome on the screens in the stadium but i don't know if they're yeah if they... on field it feels like it's been a bit unclear like like you say we we know what's going on but it, yeah it's not been 100 yeah. percent clear it's, it's one of the things that i quite like about the american sports when they do things and that the refs or rugby as well that the mics are, uh the uh, sorry yeah. the refs are mic'd up mm. um because at the rugby it happens on the tv and you can buy like little radios so you can sit there and listen to like all what the ref's saying as well on like an rf frequency right, okay um and so i do like that because then it makes it clear for the people in the stadium like they know what to get excited about but yeah i think overall it's been good and i still love that they all wear fucking full kit sitting in that studio (laughs) Um, (laughs) i just worry sometimes about the consistency of it like it's it's that whatever what's the the phrase they use if it's clear a clear and obvious but the thing is that the laws are open to interpretation anyway so you get a referee going over there and he's looking at a screen if if it's one of those situations mm-hmm. and like he's going to sometimes come up with a different thing to you anyway, because we argue about penalty decisions in pubs and stuff. That's, that's how it goes. So, you know, Vars just giving him a second chance to not make a mistake. Yeah. And, and that's, not only that's a second chance, but also second judgment. Like there's more people involved yeah. now and in saying like, Oh, maybe you want to look at that again. And I, I think you're exactly right. The two big complaints about it are, it's not necessarily getting all the calls right anyway, um, which sure, but it's getting more of the calls right than we did before. Yeah, so why would it? Anytime it you can improve the game and improve the correctness of the calls, like that's great. You know, we yeah. already destroyed the record for the pen- most penalties in a World Cup, and I <laughs> think that's because more penalties should be given. But like, that's because there general. should be every every fucking game there should be like three or four penalties. Right, in football. exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why yeah. do you why do you give these stupid little fouls outside the box, but then the exact and give a free kick? Then the exact same thing happens in the penalty area. Our ref won't give yeah. it. 
Yeah. Like the the ref in the Panama game was superb. I mean, to actually see him acting a second time to give a second penalty, just mm-hmm. that just doesn't use which happen. which people thought it just oh, it's not going to happen. We've already had one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it it's been amazing. Like I I could not be more in favor of it. Like it's it's getting more calls correct. It's getting more eyes on the calls so that you know now you have majority sort of consensus. There's five people in the VAR booth. They're not gonna say this needs to go to VAR unless at least three of them agree on it, I would imagine, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's just good for the game. And the other complaint is that it, it destroys the momentum or the flow of the game. Yep, which is bollocks. It's bullshit, but yeah. The, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen that. There's a chart knocking around Twitter, and I must admit, I don't know the source of it, saying, like, what time is wasted where? And, like, the time wasted on free kicks has been ten times what's been on yep. bar. Yeah, there was I mean, this really easily. good study done a few years ago that looked at the actual amount of stoppage time that should be given. And 538 is actually doing like a small version of it right now, but this was like an academic study in like a real paper. And the average match out of 90 minutes of play actually only has about 60 minutes. Yeah, of the ball yeah I remember seeing that. Actually, yeah. I, like I've, I've seen them do it for the Premier League a couple of years ago. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was about that. But then um, when Tony Poulis was West Brom manager... Um, he was averaging like 49 minutes or 50 minutes or something like that. He his in his games the ball was in play the lowest. Yeah, it was either out that's about a throw half. In or... Like that's one half of a match. Like it's, a, it's absurd. And so to complain about like five seconds or even 20 seconds to like make sure you get a penalty call right or an offside yeah, to goal to get a second look at yeah like, absolutely come on that's nonsense please no yeah yeah I don't break. buy that argument I get I get more pissed off by so exactly like you said so there'll be a free kick let's say or a corner. And the ref will go up to two players and tell them to stop like pulling each other around and like pulling their shirts and go, no, no more. And so then the ref blows the whistle and they and they take the corner and then you see they're just doing the same thing again. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything. And then you get to the next corner and he tells the same two players again to stop doing it. And then he comes back and blows the whistle and they take the corner and they're still doing it. Like I get more like that's that's wasting time for me. Like yeah. what the fuck is the referee yeah. doing? I said it. I said it a few years ago. So not just with this giving a foul for a free kick and not for a penalty, uh, but when they said they were going to clamp down on players crowded around the referees, right? Like just give them the fucking yellow card. And honestly, like, if they don't learn from their mistakes, then that's their fault. The rest will get shit for about three games from the fans, from the commentators, from everything. But then after about those three games where it keeps happening. The fans and the commentators will turn on the players and say, you fucking know you're not supposed to do this. And that's why it was great, like you said, that Panama had two penalties given against them. Because it's like, well, mm. you're still doing it. There you go. Right. Have another penalty. Yeah. But this is like genuinely, as the games have gone on and we've progressed through the rounds of matches, like there are less people surrounding the referee and bitching about a penalty call because they know it's going to go to VAR anyway. Yeah. And so like you're kind of saving time in that regard. Because like in the most recent match, like there was a penalty call, and it went and actually getting ended up getting overturned because it was a great overturn. Oh yeah, against um, Senegal. Yeah, exactly. Um, Davinson Sanchez, that incredible Amazing tackle. tackle. That, yeah. When you uh, when I watched it on the TV, I was like, right, penalty, penalty, penalty. And yeah, then you it looked like a penalty, the, but the it wasn't. Pinpoint, like he backheels the ball away from Mane. Yeah, it was. And amazing. yeah, you're like, sweet, VAR got that. Sure, it's not perfect, right? Harry Kane should have gotten like two penalties. In the first mm-hmm. match, when they were getting taken down like a wrestling match in the exactly in the, box. the same way as the, when England got the the uh, other penalty, right? Yeah. yeah, but so like it's not perfect, obviously, but nothing is. But this is better; it's significantly better, mm-hmm. and like the yeah. and it doesn't actually destroy the flow of the match. Like to me, it's it's a no brainer. It's great. 
I'd I'd love to see it implemented well in the Premier League because uh, the argument as to how it's been done in the FA Cup and like poorly and a disaster is not that far off. Like it, it really needs to get ironed out. But I think here, seeing the model of how it can be done when it's done well has mm-hmm. gives me like a lot of hope for it to be, you know, better in the future. It's it's yeah. like when goal line technology first came out and everyone was like, oh, but that's like the character of the game is when goals get blah blah blah. I'm like, no, fuck off. Like no, you want the right calls. Shut like up. you're insane if you don't want the right calls. You, yep. ca- you get that shit in American sports too, and people are like, "Oh, but I love when a foul ball gets, you know." In baseball, they introduce replay, and people are like, "Oh, but that's part of the game, you know." Historically, like this thing happened or that thing happened, and you're like, "Yeah, okay, fine." That's a cool moment that we can look back on, but like, objectively, you want the teams and the, to mm-hmm. get the right calls. Like, it's just better. So, I'm all for it. So uh, we've had a question from, well, we've had a few questions from Carmen, actually, a couple that we've already covered. So I thought I might just amend one and say, uh, what are your guys' uh, favourite goal of the tournament so far? Favourite goal? There's been a lot of good Ooh. goals. My, There's been a few. Um, there's, but for me, the number one, at least, is that Messi goal in the third match. The, the long pass over the shoulder. The insane, insane <clears throat> two touches. Like... Lionel Messi is the greatest player of all time. If you don't think so, fuck off. But like <laughs> those two touches to bring it down on his thigh, then onto his foot at a dead sprint, like over from like yeah, a fifty-yard pass over shoulder. the shoulder is Ugh. oh exactly yeah like I just <laughs> disgusting. You couldn't disgusting. even tell. It wasn't until because I was watching that game, and it wasn't even until they did the slow motion replay after that you saw he touches the ball twice. Because all you saw on TV when it was happening was just like, oh, the ball's come over, messy touch, bang. You're like, fuck me. Then you watch him slow down, and it's coming across his body over his left shoulder. He controls it enough with his thigh to bring it right down onto his foot, which has just taken another step and come back up, and then controlled it to take it away from the defender slightly. Like, if he doesn't take it away from the defender there, the defender gets it. Yeah. That is just a fact. But he just creates that extra bit of space to then bury it on his weaker foot, just fuck that was he's beautiful so good he's so good like it's just i'm blessed to get to live in the time of Lionel messi <laughs> i also got to live and watch basketball when michael jordan was at his peak mm-hmm. and like you know that's it those are my two sports and i got to see the two best <laughs> players of all time and like i i'm good i'm like that's great <laughs> he cushions it that first touch with his thigh better than anyone's first touch oh, second wind I know I'm sorry I just get so excited about this goal oh, he's so good when we were talking about this like and think trying to think about like goals before like a while ago I'm, I'm glad that you came up with Messi because Messi Messi's one wasn't actually in my list but I knew you would go for it I think Nacho's goal against Portugal Ooh. was fucking sensational um, in a similar way to like Christian Eriksen's was against Australia that we watched because both of them are such hard balls to hit that he's coming across the body and they just hit down into it but not so it hits the ground but it just flies horizontal and casually gets like that uplift at the end and it's just directing the goal and ah oh, those when when you can hit a ball first time like that it's unbelievable yeah that's the um, one i was talking about driving to the wedding when we were watching the spain match that's the one where i was like i squealed like a girl, little girl and screamed like you know a viking at the same time and my wife was like are we literally about to get hit by a car are we in a car accident right now i was like no 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 it's just one of the best goals i've ever seen it's fucking amazing i'm with you on that yeah. one 
there's been some great ones. And then, like, personal enjoyment, I loved Croatia's third goal against Argentina. <laughs> I fucking loved that when time stood still and Argentina was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> just, like, take a touch, look around, get out a sandwich. No, 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 no. All right, I'll pass it in the bottom corner. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, and Carmen asked another question, which was, are you planning some FPL uh, content this season? Uh, that's Fantasy Premier League to anyone who doesn't know. So I thought this would be a nice little uh, opportunity to tell our origin story. Oh, the origin story. Well, what And then I can was... reboot it in three years. Yeah, 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 with different <laughs> actors. And we can change and it won't be as good. Um, yeah. So what happened was we were walking down a dark alley and we'd just been to a theatre and seen a show. Um, and then, oh, no, that's Batman. Sorry, Batman. No. Damn it! Um, um, no, we, we all met on... Uh, being fans of the same fantasy Premier League podcast, the Gaffer Tapes. Shout out the Gaffer Tapes, best fantasy podcast out there. If you guys want to listen, fact they've won um, awards. Yeah, literally the award-winning Gaffer and Tapes. Never as mention it. Tom would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we were all big in the community on Twitter, uh, talking about fantasy. We all are very avid fantasy players. Mm-hmm. Um, I won the inaugural Gaffer Tapes fantasy draft league on Taga last year. Holler. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all met on there. Big fans. Um, so if you want some fantasy content, go ahead and listen to them. Uh, Carmen, obviously, yeah. you already are. We know you from the Gaffer Tapes community. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else, you know, if you want that. Yeah, they've been going since, well, pretty much, yeah, since the last World Cup is when they started, which is when you started listening to them, I think, Ian. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> so kind of four years, yeah. Very much OGs. I came in like a little bit after that in their first season. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. If you want kind of, the, re- the reason we like it so much is because like there's there's fantasy football podcasts out there that get like really really stat heavy and stuff like that and there's some that like if you want to take the game really really seriously then fine you can listen to them but it's going to be an hour of your life that you just hate um <laughs> but if you want like some decent insight because they do get they they do have some good picks and you know, one of the guys ash finished in the top 100 in the world before yeah proper um, good player yeah but they're just entertaining and they're great guys um so if you if you want kind of fantasy Premier League stuff, we might have like a smattering here or there because our plan is to kind of talk about everything. Like we've we've focused so much on the World Cup because, like we said, because we like fantasy football and so football and that's how we know each other. We figured at this time it's a good thing to talk about, but we're literally going to be talking about everything. So kind of bringing a bit of football and then kind of venturing miles offside, hence the hence the name, and talking about whatever comes up, really, what we've been doing that week, what films we like to see, what music we're listening to, what this, and just getting some interaction with you guys. So uh, if you want your fantasy Premier League, the Gaffer Tapes, at the Gaffer Tapes on Twitter. Fact. I definitely will be running a fantasy league that will involve money, though. So oh yeah, we'll yeah, there'll be, there'll be cash. <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll if you'd like, if, if you'd like me to give you some money, then just uh, enter the enter the <laughs> enter fantasy, that league. fantasy yeah. league. Yeah. So I take it far too seriously, and I'm far too shit. Okay, and we've got to end on a Dave Matteo is is content provider supremo. Yeah, no, so, he's he's doing us a lot of favors. Yeah, he really is. Question every week: What's the biggest animal you could fight and win? <laughs> jeez <laughs> oh, okay. now now i i required some provisos because i think it it matters obviously if you've got weapons i need to know of if course. i've got shoes on i could kill a chicken but i could kick a pig to death with boots on <laughs> <laughs> you've really thought about this way too much i could kick a pig to death with boots on 
I reckon. Take, that's terrifying. I mean, that I'm you not know trying that I, I wonder if this is going to come up in the iTunes reviews. All of a sudden, we drop to zero stars because all the Peter followers in fucking America are like, they kick pigs to death. Yeah, all the Peter followers. Only in Peter, but we do. Uh, okay, well, here's my question is do toddlers count? <laughs> what, as in, are you a toddler or a baby animal? Like a human toddler. Animal? Like a human toddler. I, I reckon I could beat up a human toddler pretty well. Um, no, I mean, they are animal like they're very dirty i um, mean i feel that ian as a father and myself as a uh, upcoming father <laughs> i didn't think i'd ever be kind of shocked into silence no i'm stunned by that um, <laughs> i'm thinking adult sized animals okay all right actual animals gotcha let's okay. discount humans because like yeah okay. anyone can punch a toddler oscar fuck's sake fine 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 we've all done that yeah, yeah. How do, you, how do you get your kicks in the morning? Can you get your child taken away from you before it's born? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, just to be obscure and weird, I think I could fight a very angry capybara. It's the world's largest rodent, if you guys uh, know. I don't know. I was watching Planet Earth the other day, and it came up. They're very funny yeah, looking. Yeah, they're quite hefty. They're pretty fluffy. I reckon I could take that thing. Well, it's got to be. it's got to be something with short legs, isn't it? Because, you know, because then the reach. So, like, you know, you couldn't beat up a horse. Cause no. Depends massive. on the horse. No, not even with boots on. No, not even with boots on. I can't <laughs> kick that high. Um, I should kick it in its bollocks. In which case, it might not suspect it. No, um, you can't go up behind a horse. That's a schoolboy error. No, yeah. absolute schoolboy error. Classic. My sister went, was behind a bull once and it kicked her in the knee. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> it... Did that go to VAR? No, it just won a prize at the Surrey County Fair for being the best in show. And it kicked her right across the fucking knee. It was brilliant. Uh, is that why it won? I don't know. I think so. I think that was the added prize. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus, it's hard to think of a... Similar, like, uh, an anteater. I could beat up an anteater. You just grab it by the nose, fling yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. The noses are really weird. They They feel like... Like really soft, weird fucking <laughs> penis skin. That's there what they is. feel like. <laughs> there I was it is. wondering if you'd go there. The nose feels like Very a dick. Flaccid nose. Um, yeah, it's weird. Um, I could beat up one of those. Um, How about this? I'll, I'll, I'll pick Maybe like a, a hibernating bear because like it's asleep, no, so you just no, fucking no. smash it and run. Nah, he'd say that about anything. Yeah, well, Oscar picked toddler guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how about this? I'll pivot the question a little bit. What um, are there any animals you're particularly afraid of? Birds. Fucking hate them. Yeah. <laughs> Terrified. Ah, oh, fuck. I've done. I've done like walkthroughs of like different animals and stuff, and like being close to like tigers, and obviously like you know, I, w- I wouldn't consider. Hang on, like, hang being on. Afraid been of... close to tigers. You got to. Well, you yeah, because like, I've got that. friends that work at like London Zoo, and I've like been in the thing and fed them and Punched stuff like all that. Punched all of them done, to like, death. Monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. No, um, no big deal. So, like, Just fed a tiger. I, I, but but I think like if anyone met a tiger in the wild, they'd be afraid of it. So I don't think that's rational. But a bird walkthrough fucking terrifies me, and I hate it. Like birds like flying around your head, and like they could shit yeah. on you. And like if a bird shat on me, that would ruin my day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's actually one of my like biggest fears is that a bird will shit on me one day. Like no joke. I've had this You've conversation. Never had a bird with shit on you? No, never. Thank God. 
No. Um, if I did, like, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to like <laughs> it's a constantly burn my me. clothes and cut all my. I don't even know what the fuck would happen. We, like. we, speaking of London Zoo and bird shit, this is a brilliant segue. When I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was about eleven, twelve, and we went on a school trip to London Zoo, and there was this kid. I'll call him Chris because that was his name. Um, <laughs> we, I'm not in contact with him anymore, so it's fine. Um, That's and, how the law works. And but yeah, we we picked on him a little bit, let's just say. But one day he he, he sits down when we're at London Zoo and like opens his lunchbox and starts to eat. And as he does it, a pigeon shits straight in his lunchbox from a tree. Oh my god! But our, our teacher didn't particularly like him either, and but he had to buy. <laughs> He had to buy him lunch, and it was just so fucking aggrieved. <laughs> oh dear! Well, here's an and embarrassing. This is thing. why we like Dave Matteo. Yeah, here's an embarrassing <laughs> thing. You talk about being afraid of birds. Just last weekend, we went to a butterfly conservatory, and I was in there for about thirty seconds, and I had to just run out. I was like, <laughs> really? I've never been afraid of butterflies, but just them flying around my head. And, like, trying to land on me it was very stressful. I felt very, like, I couldn't breathe and claustrophobic. And I, I ran out and I went and I sat in the food court and had ice cream and pizza while my wife <laughs> oh, and her sister walked around looking at butterflies. Like, oh, look at the pretty butterflies. And I'm like, <laughs> no! So scary! <laughs> like, it was awful. I was very embarrassed. Um, yeah. But I had to run away from the butterflies. So, Ian, any animals you're afraid of? Like, I... I mean, I can't possibly say this to Dave because he's from Australia, but I've I've had the sort of fear of spiders. You sort of get over that a bit when you have a kid because they expect you to deal with shit. And I'm like, where's your mum? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You, That's you just on a daily because, you know, she likes to venture out into the world. <laughs> like, where's mum? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Someone go get my wife to deal with this spider for me. Yeah, no, so that does sort of, fall, I've been forced to sort of get over that a little bit, but I mean, yeah, I can't say that to Dave, because I mean, I could I could never live in Australia. No. Not a chance. Um, everything in Australia is always trying to kill you at all times, so. Mm. Yeah. Especially the people. We actually have problems dealing with spiders here, because like, my wife, like you, is terrified of them. And, like, I didn't say terrified, to... Oscar. All right, well, right. I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Mildly um, perturbed. Yeah, if yeah. my wife weighs in, she will say terrified. But I'm super allergic to spider bites. So when we have a spider, oh, really? she's like, you kill it. I'm like, you fucking kill it. I'm going to go to the <laughs> hospital. <It's> like, <laughs> when, you say, when you say spider bites, is that sort of limited to the spiders that are poisonous anyway? And I don't know, man. Is it just really that you're a human and if you get bitten by a spider, like you're not going to turn into Spider-Man, you are going to die. This like is, everyone. No, I've had to go to the story. hospital <laughs> two different times because of like oh, wow. a spider biting oh, me and I'm having it. like a crazy allergic reaction. I'm assuming, you know, I've never like seen the spiders, but I go to the hospital and they're like, oh yeah, it's a spider bite. And they like have to put me under with like a copious amount of Benadryl. Like one time I got bit on the neck and my whole face like swole up. And I remember I was in the hospital watching the Yankees play the Red Sox and a fight broke out uh, in the bullpen. And for anyone who watches baseball, because the Yankees and the Red Sox hate each other. Yeah. And I was like, am I hallucinating this fight? Because I am tripping <laughs> balls right now on all these medicines. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, right. Well, I mean, as we said, Dave Matteo just gives us good content. Yeah, we had a we had a lot of questions that we're thinking of maybe saving doing a Q and A episode. Maybe keeping one in the can for when uh, me and Chuck go on a two week bender after England win the World Cup. Hey, so we can hey, we can let's, put let's, that let's. one out. 
<laughs> but yeah, so keep bringing your questions in. It was really good to see plenty of questions coming in. It's at Miles Offside Pod on Twitter and Facebook. So uh, yeah, if you talk to us on there, we will talk back because we haven't got any lives. So um, that's that's harsh, isn't it? Actually, we're all very busy. <laughs> I mean, it's harsh, but it's really true. Busy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, uh... <laughs> Oscar's got like a twelve-week holiday or whatever it is now because of depression with Germany going out. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you could review us, uh, we could really do with some five-star reviews on iTunes, and hopefully we can get them numbers up. The numbers have been going up nicely. It's been really nice to get some listeners. So, if you could give us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, because we're on Stitcher, TuneIn, we're on Spotify, we're on all sorts now. So yeah. if you can uh, find your way to spend a couple of minutes giving us a five-star review. Tell us how you like your steak cooked. Tell us what animals you're scared of in that review. Yeah. No context reviews. That's what we're after. Really, yeah, absolutely. No context reviews. Like, could what what clothing would you wear if you had to kick a pig in the face? Um, <laughs> would would you choose like a, a more of a steel toe cap boot just for impact, or would you choose like a stiletto more for the piercing um, kind of Jesus. angle? Shit. But there we go. Episode four. <laughs> So that's it for episode four, guys. Um, as Ian said, please, please, please uh, give us a review. Keep listening um, and keep getting in touch, um, not just on um, our podcast Twitter, but but you can follow us ourselves as well. I'm at Chuck underscore Bailey underscore. Then you've got Ian. At Ian Stimson. There we go. OG, only one Ian Stimson. Uh, <laughs> and you can follow Oscar. At footy from afar. Or in any food court eating his feelings since Germany have been knocked out of the World Cup. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming home. Auf Wiedersehen. No, don't want to, don't want to talk about them fucking waffle cunts.